Hey world, we are Citywide Church, creating the largest soul-saving effort ever seen right here in Bridgeport, Connecticut. We want to thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast. We would love to know how our ministry has touched your life. So if you have a couple of minutes, please send us an email at amen at citywidechurch.us. Also, if you would like more information about us or about how to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. Thank you again for listening, and as always, be encouraged and stay blessed.
treasure after they made it, and I drove it to my office, and I sat down, and, and I, I, I bit into it, and my life was forever changed. You think I'm kidding. The next day, I went back because it was so good. It was just really, really, really good. And the next day, I went back. And that was like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Come Friday, I said to my wife, I said, babe, I'm going to get you one of their sandwiches. She's like, who? She's half asleep. I'm like, the tasty yolk. She was like, do you have to go? I'm like, yes, trust me. You want this. Plus, I have to go to work, so it's my day off. And I know that giving you a sandwich will probably bribe you to let me go to work because I have to go to work. She was like, okay, fine. She was happy. So I go, and I drive to Fearsville Avenue. It is the Friday before New Year's Eve. And I'm really happy because I'm expecting, I can almost taste this sandwich in my mouth. And I drive up, and then boom, they're gone. <laughs> Somebody took the trailer. And I was like, God. I promised my wife this delectable sandwich, this delicacy. I promised her, like, what is going on? And so I did the only thing I could do. I went to Facebook. And I said, they had to have a Facebook page. They're so good. And lo and behold, they did. Mind you, I'm on Fairford Avenue in Black Rock. Somebody follow me here. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm on Fairford Avenue in Black Rock looking for a sandwich. sitting there, I'm like, man, I promised my wife this, and like, I want to deliver because I'm, I'm a good husband. I want to rephrase that. I'm a great husband. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> and so, <clears throat> true story, I'm, I'm making none of this stuff. I'm sitting in my car like, man, I go on Facebook, and I see that on Thursday, they posted, this is the last day to find us on Fairfield Avenue. Tomorrow, we will be at 4700 Park Avenue by 99 Acres. And I'm like, clear across town. Who cares? Who cares if it's 15 minutes away? So I proceeded to drive the 15, and I had to get a coffee first because I needed to wake myself up to sustain the ride. So I grab a coffee at the circle in Fairfield, hop on 95, and I get on, you know, I, I get off the ride exit, I get up there, and I'm driving all the way up there, and lo and behold, in all of its glory is the tasty yolk, and I am so excited, I see this place, I order the sandwich, I go home like a rock star, and I'm like, it's good, right, honey? She's like, oh my goodness! <laughs> because it's amazing to me how a hunger can change the direction of your life. amazes me what you do when you've partook of something and you're hungry for more. Some of you experience it in a different capacity. I'm not knocking nobody, but sometimes you're, I've done it before too, you watch a good show and you're happy that you found the show in its first season when it's actually in its fifth season and you can sit down and now when you are at work you think about going home and binge watching on Netflix because you found a new hunger. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Or when it's, you know, week-to-week -week episodes and you can't wait for that, oh my God, I can't wait for this Tuesday for my show to come on. Oh, what's your show? Oh, I can't wait. And you're sitting there like, oh, and you're taking it all in because you found something to hunger after. Are you with me? <clears throat> it's amazing to me that like a pregnant woman, I was ready to 
reroute my entire direction, drive clear across town in order just to have something that appeased my stomach. Because what we don't realize is that hunger drives us. Hunger literally drives us. I was enticed simply by driving by. I drove by this, I saw it, I said, man, that must be good. I rerouted my direction, I stopped and I got hooked. Oh my goodness. I was just driving by. I had no previous experience with it. I just had seen it multiple times. Driving by. And just like that is sometimes when I'm driving by some scriptures. And I read in the holy word of God the miracles that Jesus performed. I see that he told his disciples in John 14, 12, that greater works will the people do who follow after him. And we started with doing the same works, let alone doing greater works. We're going to have an honest conversation today. And if you think you got it all figured out, you're in the wrong church. An honest conversation today about truly hungering after God in a capacity that drives you to reroute, redirect, and rechange your entire life. Because some of us are only hungry for what God can do for us. And some of us are only joyous for what God has done for us. But unwilling to do anything for Him or make any changes to our life. I read in the Bible, in Mark 16, 17, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he would tell his disciples, these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will call out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink deadly poisons, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And when I look across the church in our nation versus the church of the Bible, it's not really hard to see that there are not many things that are following us. Because the Bible says that signs and wonders and miracles would follow them that believe. What's the last thing that followed you? Somebody on social media? No, 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 really. Where's that type of real wrestling with God that we get to this place of power and authority in him? And when I read these things, a hunger in me, it, it just kind of rises to see God's power displayed in all of its fullness. And I read of the miracles of the disciples and of Jesus in the book of Acts. And I'm in awe of God how Peter can walk down the street and his shadow, something that has no substance, could render someone healed in, in their entirety. I read about how they would take a rag and Peter would pray over it and send it to somebody and give it to the sick person and they would be healed. And the only thing crazier than that being true is hundreds of people agreeing that it was true. And when we talk about this, some of us get uncomfortable because it sounds like, well, we shouldn't have to do this and do that and do this and do that. Well, that really sounds a lot like this. You know, it sounds just like what Jesus said that we would see. We see stories of the early church and the great power they wielded. And as I pass by those scriptures, something inside of me just gets hungry for God. Something inside of me arises for a deeper and more intimate knowledge of God. There are those today who I'm telling you, they got it all figured out. They got their little perfect doctrines. They teach doctrines of devils that the gift of the spirit 
has decided. They call it the cessation of the gifts. Many churches believe this, that God no longer heals, God no longer pours out his spirit, God no longer does some of these things, even though there is absolutely zero evidence in the word of God that he is no longer in the miracle business, even though God said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. They've really, there's, there's thousands of, of Christians who teach this doctrine that the miraculous power of God was only for a period. But my Bible tells me different. They are in essence saying that God no longer heals and God no longer works in such a manner. And they'll take one or two verses and twist their meaning. Cherry pick them to be something that is not true. Something that does not flow with the true doctrine of scripture. And what they have done is they've lowered the standard of scripture to the level of their experience. In other words, because they have not been able to obtain it because maybe the reasons are endless, whether it's really walking with God or really pursuing after God, whatever the reason may be, they lower their experience. Well, because I experienced it this way, it must only have been for a time. So let me lower my experience and the standard of Scripture, let me lower it down here. As opposed to raising their experience to the level of scripture and saying, well, God said I can do it full faith. I will walk these streets until I see somebody healed. I may not succeed every single time, but I'll keep walking and walking and going and going until I see God move in a way that is supernatural. And there are those who claim to, they have it. <laughs> they got it. I'm walking in the fullness of the power of God. They got it all figured out, a clean-cut doctrine. They're walking in all the power and the grace of God, and they just wish that everybody else would catch up to their level of understanding, but they have healed nobody. They have cast out no demons. They still got trouble in their own homes, in their own areas, in their own jobs. They got problems everywhere, haven't figured out their own walk, but they obtain to have knowledge, or rather suppose they have obtained the knowledge, when in truth, they don't. And these people are the ones who have apprehended God. No, they've only comprehended God. But they've not apprehended him. And apprehending God and comprehending God are two different things. Because comprehending God means I understand how it works. Apprehending God means I went out and I did it. And I saw the lame man get up. The eyes of the blind were opened. I cast a demon out and it fled and it did not return. It didn't ask me who I was because it knew I walked in the authority and the power of Jesus. I'm talking about having the gift of being hungry for God. Hungering and thirsting after this God who is so big and so powerful and so mighty that we could partake of him all of our lives and never be satisfied. Never be fully filled with the fullness of God yet because he is so grand and so big and so mighty. As I pass by these living verses, it kind of just stirs something in me, a hunger in my soul to search out the place of God where in his spirit is manifested in the church in a way that it is evident. And they'll try to trick you with all types of scriptures. That, well, God doesn't do that no more. Well, God, he's kind of this way now. Well, the Holy Spirit can't do that anymore. He doesn't do that anymore. It's a doctrine of the devil, and it's made to sugarcoat our lives so that we won't pursue the deeper things of God. 
because it brings us this level of peace that we, well, we don't have to live up to this standard because then that would mean that this and that. And so we, we just cherry pick what we want. Oh, I wish I had a really honest church with me today that we are lacking a true hunger for the things of God. We're just lacking this deep-seated, and maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm like the only one who is hungering for more of God, believing and desiring him. Maybe I'm just fed up with normal. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just like really fed up with the normalities of life and church. And I know that there are some people that would say, well, well, to want more of God is foolish because you have everything you need. That's another person who's just comprehended God but not apprehended God. Because scripture tells us a different story from the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. Are you with me? The scripture tells us something different, but we find a preacher who tells us what we want to hear and what we think sounds correct because they attach things together in a way that seems to make sense, but we never examine it for ourselves. We take what they say as truth. And they peddle this gospel that leads to no power in the church. As long as you give your offerings. This year, in 2017, this church will be about one thing. Hungering for God. We'll be after one thing, hungering for the God of the Bible to rise up in great power in the midst of us. That we don't rest until the glory of God overcomes us and overpowers us like we have never seen before. It'll be a year of pursuing God like we have never done before. And I can't keep going on without seeing the fullness of God's power in Scripture. This will be a year characterized by believing God for the absolute impossible. And if you can't believe God for such things, realize it's one of those believe or leave kind of years. Like honestly, believe in what God is doing or this isn't the church for you. Because I want to see it. This is the vision he's given me. This is what I pursued into the presence of God. And he said, you know what, tell the church just to hunger after me. Three weeks of praying, asked my wife, texting her, honey, he hasn't spoken to me. He hasn't said nothing yet. I'm getting real frustrated. But she would say, Felipe, just keep on pressing, keep on praying. I would seek God more and seek God more. Because the moment you say something, well, why did God say that to the pastor? Because I was weeks in his word. Seeking him and saying, God, what is it that you want this church, I know you raised us up for a specific reason. I know we've got something different here. I know we do. And he says, but one thing you're lacking as of late is hunger. Hunger. Some of us think we're hungry. Some of us think we're not hungry because we've, we've got it. But in truth, you just nibbled at the table of the world for so long that your soul has been quieted. From really saying, I want the living God. Where is he? This is what Jesus said. You see, Jesus, he begins to preach because John goes to jail. He begins to call disciples and he begins to heal people. And while he displays great power and authority and miracle signs and wonders, the Bible then says that crowds came to him. And when Jesus saw the crowds, one of the things he said to him in Matthew 5, verse 6, he says, blessed are those... <clears throat> To hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Righteousness meaning not just right standing with God, but the acts of righteousness. The byproduct of righteousness, walking in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. 
Blessed are those who hunger. Like God's like, my favor is upon them who are hungry. My favor is upon those who are really, really seeking after me. My favor is upon those who will thirst after the waters that are living. And someone might say, well, John 6.35 says that if we partake of God, we would never in hunger and thirst again. Well, it does say that, but what it's talking about is in eternal life, you won't have to worry about it. What it's, what it's talking about in the entirety of its context before anybody gets it twisted is that the Bible is talking about you will never go hungry on. Meaning like God will fill you, but you'll get hungry again, he'll fill you, he'll keep on filling you as long as you pursue him. It's important to understand this. And Jesus makes this promise in his sermon on the mount that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. You see, hunger, you should write this down if you're taking notes. If not, again, it's a believe believe kind of year. Um, a hunger for God is a deep homesickness of the soul. It's a homesickness of the soul that says, God, I long to return. I long to fellowship with you at a level that I can't do just on my own. A homesickness for the soul, where you desire God more than anything and nobody and nothing else matters or satisfies. And you might be saying, well, I don't feel that kind of hunger, Pastor. And to you, I would say to you, to you, I would say, maybe the pleasures of life have dulled the cries of your soul. Maybe the pleasures of this world have really dulled your spiritual senses. It's hard to be hungry for God when you have your entire day, week, month, year planned out. Could we get real? It's, it's so hard to hunger for God when he's not a priority in your day. It's, it's really hard to hunger for God when you don't even think about him throughout your day. Some would say, I'm not hungry because I have drunk so deep of him that I am satisfied. Rather, you probably have been, again, filled with the pleasures of this world. And I know at a first glance, many of us would say, well, not me. Show me your work. Show me the signs and wonders. Show me the miracles. Show me what Jesus said in Mark 16. Show me in your life where that is. And until you can, humility should sweep over us for we should have a reckoning and a moment of realization that maybe we have been spoon-fed into something that was not God in the first place. Where is your God-felt hunger? You used to love reading the Word. You used to be able to sit down and read for hours. Now it's hard enough to get you to open your phone to read the verse of the day. It's hard to be hungry for God when our appetite is entertainment, money, relationships, personal progress, careers, and pleasures of the world. Realize that nothing of what I said was sinful, but yet when they have you so full that there is no room for a godly appetite, it becomes an issue. Here's point number one. Your life is headed in the direction of your hungers. Your life is headed in the direction of your hungers. You don't believe me? When you get hungry, you go to the kitchen. When you need money, you go to work. Your life is headed in the direction of your hungers. We spend a lifetime satisfying hungers and appetites. Oh, I wish I had an honest church today, I'm telling you. 
We spend a lifetime satisfying. Some of y'all got your income tax already spent. Spend a lifetime satisfying your hungers. So some of you who thought you weren't in that category just got put in that category. Praise God. You hunger for entertainment so it drives you to fulfill it by any means necessary. <coughs> Our hunger. Your hunger for sex drives you to find partners whether it edifies God or not. Real quiet. Your hunger for companionship, companionship drives you to marriage because you don't want to be alone. Then that drives you to madness because you want to be alone. All the wives looking at their husbands like, <laughs> I'm not looking in the first row. She's not going to do it. You spend a lifetime satisfying hungers and you don't even realize it. You spend a lifetime pursuing things that, that you need. Your appetite for money drives you to work, to put value in what you have, I mean, your material things. Your hunger for acceptance make you do all types of foolish things all over social media, all over in your life. This is the year where I will not act like I didn't see your foolish posts. I'm not going to inbox you no more. I'm not going to text you. I'm not going to call you. I'm going to comment right on your post. This is stupid. Seek God. Different kind of pastor this year. We need to seek God. But our hunger drives us to do foolish things. If you hunger for attention, you'll always do things to get yourself noticed. That's why you'll wear certain things that will make you look attractive or show too much of your body, ladies. Because you, you, you hunger for this. You crave for this. Oh, no, not me. I'm setting who I am. Well, then cover it up. Well, I don't like that. It doesn't make me feel pretty. Mm. Hunger and thirsts. That's why when we see a guy comment on every single girl's picture, we say he's what? He's thirsty. It sounds funny until you realize that everybody is trying to fill a hunger and a thirst. And there are people in this room who don't hunger for God. What are you hungering for? Because you're fulfilling some appetite. Is it God's? Jesus said to the people who pursued him onto the mountainside, he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Satisfied. And it was the same crowds who came back to him the next time. And he would preach again, he would preach again, he would preach again. Wherever he went, they would follow him. Does it mean they weren't satisfied the first time? No. It means that it was so good they came back. That does away with this nonsense of, well, he'll fill us once and that's it. And that's not true. That's what the Bible says. Read the word. Understand the patterns of the word. Hunger drives you. Your year is, is headed in the direction of what you are hungering for. Do you understand this? Some of you are hungering for a new, better you in your body. So you'll go to the gym. You're, you're headed in the direction of your hunger. And you'll even tell your body, I can't have you no more because I'm going to lose some weight. Because you're headed in the direction of your hunger. This kind of message will upset some people because it challenges them. And we're used to just being unchallenged in our world today. There's no absolute truths anymore. Like people say, well, the God, God's word is not absolutely true. Some of it, maybe not all of it. No, it's truth. It's all absolute truth. But here's the hardest thing as a Christian you face. How do I stay full and stay hungry at the same time? How do I stay full 
and stay hungry at the same time. If my life is headed in the direction of my hungers, then pastor, how do I stay full but yet hunger at the same time? Because in the natural, when you eat, it satisfies your hunger. In the spiritual, when you eat, you get hungrier. And some of you don't know about that. Because you never got to that place where you just like, you've satisfied everything you could for the moment with God, but you still wanted more. When you've read his word and it's been unlocked to your spirit and you find so much truth in the word of God that you go forward like, God, I just need you. God, I want more of you. And you go to bed singing his praises and the only reason you slept was because you were weary from tiredness. But you woke up thinking about his word and you woke up thinking about him, singing his praises, glorying in his name. Maybe you've not experienced that yet. You need a hunger for God. You need a hunger for God. In the kingdom of God, when you partake, you get hungrier. Where will your hungers take you this year? Will you pursue God with your whole heart? Pursue God, believing that it's still possible, that he can still use you in a supernatural way. Like the psalmist said in Psalms 42.1, he says, As the deer pants for the waters, so my soul Longs for you, O oh God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before him? The psalmist equates being in God's presence and hungering for God. He equates it to the, the deer's need for water. For without the water, the deer would surely die. Without the sustenance that water brings a deer, especially when it's tired and it's panting. Maybe it's been running, maybe... It's been being chased. Some people would say that this scripture is referring to a deer who has been chased by a hunter but survived. And he says, oh, as the deer panted for the water, so my soul, my God, it longs for you. Does it long for law and order? Does it long for your favorite shows? What does your soul long for? Psalmist says it longs for him. A deep longing. Understanding that without the water, the deer is helpless. Without God, the soul is weary and tired, helpless. His soul longs for God. Oh, church, what a hunger we need to grip us. What a hunger we need. You may say, well, I just don't got that hunger. There's this parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 14. He's having this dinner with a bunch of people. And one of the guys goes, man, it's going to be great at the banquet of the Lord when we get to heaven. And Jesus looks at him and he tells him a parable. He says, and there was a certain man who prepared a great feast. He prepared this great feast and he invited all of his guests. And customarily back then you would invite the guests two times, one in preparation and two when it was actually ready. And so he sent the servant back to tell him again, it's ready. But at the same time, the Bible says every single person made excuses as to why they could not come into the presence of the master. Understand this. The man who's throwing the banquet, it's obvious, it's God. The people who are refusing to come are his people. That's you, that's me, that's us. And the first person says, well, you know, I just bought this land and I kind of, I want to go check this land out so I can't make it. Well, that's kind of ridiculous to buy a land without seeing it. Even in today's day and age, it hardly ever happens. This is most likely a lie, an excuse. 
The second man says, well, I just got five yoke of oxen and I just want to test them out. But what man would buy oxen without testing them out? It's the second lie. And the third person says, man, I just got married. I can't make it. And that might be true. But every theologian and every person who has studied the scripture would say that back then when you agree to do something, it is so important to keep your word that even if you got married, you would still go. And if you notice that every single person gave God or the master an excuse as to why they could not come to the banquet. And not one excuse was a sin, it was just the pleasure of life. Well, pastor, what are you saying? Well, what I'm saying that is that we too may resist God daily and delay responding to God's invitation. In our excuses and ourselves, they may sound reasonable. I, I'm working, God, I have duties. Well, my family, God, my responsibilities, my financial needs. Nevertheless, God's invitation is the most e important event in all of your life. And so when he calls us and when he beckons towards us, we should listen. Your life is headed in the direction of your hungers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And some might be sitting here and they're truly realizing, man, I just do not have this hunger for God. I just don't have. Pastor, I want to I wanna concur with what you're saying, but because I don't have this hunger. Well, to you, I'll say that you are the person who has never really read the Bible and said, man, I want that. I want what they were walking with. You might be asking yourself, well, how does one person get hungry then? How do I get hunger for what drives me to a deeper, more intimate relationship with God? Because, Pastor, I am really, really, I, some of you want it, but you don't have it. And you don't know how to get it. Well, I'll tell you this right now. Here's point number two, really simple. Hunger is grown when Christ is known. Hunger is grown when Christ is known. When you seek him, when you know him more and more and more. The moment I pulled over and I took that first bite of that sandwich, let me tell you something, it was over. I knew they were the truth. I knew it, hands down. And it drove me back. See, we can use a human illustration to understand the spiritual point. That when you partake of something that is good, that's what the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you partake of something good, when you get into your prayer, maybe you need to really, really remove distractions. Remove distractions, remove people from your life, remove entertainment. Say, God, I just want you because nothing is more important than really wanting you. Nothing's more important than wanting more of God. I'm telling you, for me, for me personally, how do I get more of that hunger? I seek God, number one. And number two, I look at the history of what God has done. Not only do I read my Bible, but I read modern history. You know, I see Jonathan Edwards preaching in Enfield, Connecticut, and starting a, a revival that swept through the nation and saved millions of people. I said, God, I want that. I read about the Azusa Street revival that took place in Los Angeles. That to this day has saved 100 million people, I believe the estimation is. And I say, God, I want that. I look at the stories of the great man of God, John G. Lake, the healer. The man who would walk into places and heal everybody in the place under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I say, I want that. 
and I create this appetite and I create this hunger by letting myself know that there is more beyond what I am experiencing and that this nine to five isn't kicking it no more and that I need to get deeper into God's word to be able to understand the depth of his presence for our lives. I look at the stories of Charles Finney. I look at the Welsh Revival. I look at Reinhard Bonnke in Africa, and every year he'll go and do a crusade, and at one meeting he'll have 1.6 million people, but you can't get a couple hundred in the city of Bridgeport to come together because they don't really want God. Could you imagine having 1.6 million people at one service? Souls as far as the eyes can see. Where's that hunger in the church of Jesus Christ? Where's that hunger in the body to see God move in that capacity? And don't tell me no foolishness that it's not possible because God is able. He's willing if you would surrender to him. I fuel the fire and I feed the hunger every moment by reading of his word and of his great acts throughout history. I'll cast myself into prayer, crying out to God that he would satisfy my hunger, that God would grow in me, that he would show me more of himself. You feed the hunger by filling yourself and all the while creating more hunger for God. But some of us have done the opposite. They have ceased partaking of truly seeking God with their heart because, well, they're saved and that's what's most important to them. We haven't really sought God with everything that we have. Many just seek him without obligation, but nothing of the heart, or rather out of obligation, but nothing of the heart. And this turns over time to a hardened heart towards the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Hearts that don't hunger for God. If you're a believer, you're saved, and you know God, and you've been here for years and have no hunger, your heart is hardened. Because the more you partake of him, hungrier you grow and you just want more of him and more of him we get discouraged and we decide well I'm just going to not seek God I'll still go to church but maybe this is it we get distracted and we're good for a week and then then the fiery hunger we once had dwindles to nothing because well we didn't see it in a week kind of the same reason we don't stick to diets or one of the gyms we don't see the immediate results that we want then we say well it can't be true then rather than realizing that constancy builds maturity in Christ. It's not because God is seeking us less. It's rather because we're seeking God less. We should be wary of people who would seek to take from you this hunger. Be wary of anything in your life that would drive you from desiring to seek God. Be wary of the lies of Satan that would try to devalue the worth of knowing Jesus for the great apostle so that all of his life was worth nothing. All of his accolades were worth nothing. All of his merits were worth nothing. Everything that he had in Paul was like the apostle of all apostles in a sense. And he was like the Hebrew of all Hebrews as he called himself. And even among the Pharisees he was a great man. But Paul considered all that to be nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. Don't let anybody devalue knowing Jesus in your life. Because they haven't experienced the joy of, of Jesus. A hunger is grown when Jesus Christ is made known in your life. When you seek him in spirit and in truth with all of your heart. For the psalmist writes in Psalms 107 verse 9. For he satisfies the longing souls. And the hungry soul he fills with good things. Man, he satisfies the longing souls. And the hungry souls he fills with good things. 
That's the kind of God you serve. That you would hunger and thirst for the Lord. That you would seek him and pursue him and love him. Moses writes in Deuteronomy 8.3, And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with the manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know the man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord God. In the beginning of that verse, Moses says, God humbled you by letting you hunger. This is the most important part. Hear me out now. We haven't got to our benediction yet, so hear me out now. Hear me out. He said this, I'll let you hunger so that you can be humbled. And it doesn't mean that God's going to beat you down and like, get humble. It means that, here's point number three, right? Hunger leads to humility. Hunger leads to humility. Here's why. Because humility and hunger mean that you are fully dependent on God. Because you're saying, God, I see it here, but I don't have it here. It's not happening the way I see it here, so I'm going to have to fully and completely lean on and depend on you. And although people may think I'm absolutely nuts and I'm absolutely crazy, I'm going to totally trust you. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to lean on you. I'm going to fully depend on you for everything in my heart and in my life. Everything. Well, why should I do that? Because what did Jesus say in, in Matthew 23, 12? You probably don't know, so I'll just go ahead and tell you because I'm really nice like that. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Ain't no, nothing worse than people who want to exalt themselves, want to lift themselves up. But the Bible says clearly, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. What does that mean? Prophet Isaiah says it in there too. I'm the God of the high and lofty, but I'm also the God of the contrite and the lowly and the humble. And they are the ones who I will exalt. I exalt the lowly. I exalt the humble. What does that mean? That God, when you say, man, God, I'm only going to depend on you. God, I can only lean on you. God, I don't have the answers, but I know that you do. I want to walk in your authority, your power. I want more of you. I want a better relationship with you. I want to get away from all this entertainment. I want to walk away, God, from being filled with the pleasures of life. And I want to be filled with just a desire to know you. And we lower ourselves down. We lower ourselves down and we say, God, my career is not that important. God, I'm lowering myself down. Nothing's more important than you, God. I lower myself down. God, I'll go to 7 o'clock prayer. I'm lowering myself down. God, I'll sacrifice in my giving. I'm lowering myself down. God, I'll, I'll do what you call me to do. I'll seek you in the, in the midnight hour. I'm lowering myself down. And in due season, what God does is he picks you up. And he says, man, they're ready now. They've leaned on me. They've depended on me. They've leaned on me. They've depended on me. They, they just, man, they want it. And then God begins to move. And the supernatural begins to happen through you. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want nothing short of what God has for me. 
I don't want nothing less than the fullness of his plan for my life. And I'm going to tell you something, church. If you as a believer want nothing less than the fullness of God's plan for your life, if you truly with all your heart want and desire that it will not come through the pleasure of this world, it will only come through the earnest seeking of the Father. It will only come through seeking him with all of your heart. It will only come through saying, you know what, I've been too far off for too far long. But I want to draw near. I want to hunger and thirst after the things of God. I want to seek Him. Here's a quick way. Here's a quick way to understand if, if, you're, if you're desperately, desperately in need for God. If you have ever been closer to God at any point in your life than you are right now, you qualify. If you have ever been more on fire for God than you are right now, Qualify. And I know there's, there's people here, well, not me. I am good. I am great. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Maybe some of you are, literally are, the most on fire for God you have ever been. I want to tell you a big secret. There's so much more. Maybe you are. And God be praised for the glory of God in your life. But let me tell you something, man. There is so much more. And I'm going to go get it. I'm going to go get it, point blank. I'm going to see God move in a way that we've never thought before. And that'll be the heartbeat of this church for the next 12 months is a church that is passionately pursuing God with the hunger to know Him. With the hunger just to be able to say, God, I need you in every area. God, I believe that when I lay hands on the sick, they will be healed. I don't know about that part about picking up snakes. I'm not going to do that. Or drinking any poison. That's not me. I'm good. But one thing I know, I'm going to pursue God. And it's not to say that we haven't been pursuing him. But at a greater pace and at a greater level than we've ever done before, God is calling us. Look to somebody next to you. Look around you. Just take a quick look. All those people you're just looking at, God's calling them. God's calling them. You may look like the least likely. So is Peter. You may be the least able. So is Gideon. You might not be good with your words. Neither was Moses. You might be young. And so is Timothy. You might not know God, but like Jeremiah, God knows you. He's calling you. Here's, here's what God is not doing. Here's what God is not doing. God is not calling you to cheerlead Pastor Lewis to go through this progress and this process. He's calling you to come with me. He's calling you to go for a wild ride this year and say, God, I'm going to pursue you with everything that I have in my Every fiber of my being, every strength of my life, I will use it for your glory. Come on, stand with me. We want to thank you again for listening to our podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. If you would like to share how God may have blessed you through this message, please feel free to share your testimony on our Facebook page at Citywide Church. And while you're there, 
Like our page for daily updates. You can also follow us on Instagram at Citywide Church. Just a reminder, if you would like more information about this ministry or how to support us financially, please visit our website at www.citywidechurch.us. We hope you tune in next week to our podcast. Thank you again. Be encouraged. Stay blessed.